I guess I'll start off by uh, just saying that uh, several episodes ago, uh, regular episodes, not Kathy v. Kathy, uh, we talked to uh, the executive director of the ACLU, Mike Brickner, and we talked to uh, activist and advocate uh, Nick Beard, and they said they, they were going to have a an event at the Brandywine Brewing Company uh, to try to fund uh, an abortion fund to get people to, to Delaware after Roe to, to you know offer people health care. And I was excited because I knew that that type of event would 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 pull like like moths to a flame. The most um, sort of egotistical transactional uh, white dipshits uh, that are elected officials that you could think of. And um, and yeah, so I was able to talk to them and let them know that I was on to them. And I just want to give you one example. Uh, I saw uh, Mr. Spiros uh, speaking with Bethany Hall Long and, uh, and, and Matt Meyer. And so I walked up and I said hi to Matt. And I said, hey, Spiros, buddy, your name came up uh, again today. And he didn't know what I was talking about. I said, well, what do you mean? And Matt Meyer, of course, laughed. And I said, uh, in the trial, buddy, I was at the trial. Your name keeps keeps coming up, but apparently you didn't break any laws, though. And then he scurried away like uh, a little scared bug. And I'm telling you this story, dear listeners, um, just so you understand that these people are not as all-powerful as you think. They can't really hurt you if you're smart about what you're doing. These people are, are um, they're craven and they're stupid. And I just wish that everyone could come to that realization at some point and treat them accordingly. So, friends and comrades, hello. This is the Highlands Bunker Podcast. What we're doing is journalism here in Delaware. What we're doing right now is covering the State v. McGinnis trial, as you know. Today, Monday, 27 June 2022, was day eight in the Superior Courthouse of Kent County, Delaware, Dover. And, uh, yeah, I was there. Bill had to make sure his teeth were clean, which is very important. He has no cavities. Very good. But I I was there, and really the best thing that happened today happened first thing in the morning. Let me explain to you what it was, and, and, and Bill, I want to get your reaction to this. <clears throat> the judge has made a ruling in an issue that we have covered briefly before. The uh, the cousins, Miss Cousins, uh, EOCC, or e, uh, EEOC... Uh, grievance that was settled and there's some sort of non-disclosure agreement or, or some sort of uh, confidentiality agreement uh, during the settlement. And so uh, Judge Carpenter comes out and says, I've made my ruling and I 
I don't know whether I should give my ruling right now in open court before the jury comes in or whether I should defile it. I know both counsel have seen it, et cetera, et cetera. And so we, people kind of want to know what's, what's in there. And it became clear that counsel were just going to stipulate that he could put the ruling um, in, in the record and then they would just proceed. And then we would, wouldn't find out what the ruling is. Well, as I'm writing this down, um, AP reporter extraordinaire, Randall Chase, uh, raises his hand from the gallery. Like, puts his hand up. And uh, Judge Carpenter says, uh, this isn't a classroom. You don't need to raise your hand. And I looked at Lex and I was like, did, did Randall Chase just raise his hand? And he just shook his head. And so I... I uh, we found out later that uh, Randall Chase thinks that he can get like recognized to speak. And so we all had a really good laugh about that. And I know, I know Bill, if you were there, you would have had a good laugh about it too. You you should say something to him tomorrow when you see him be like, should I raise my hand today? Uh, Yeah, that's a, that's an amazing anecdote. That's, that's the kind of behind the scenes content that, you know, Hey, I'm just a listener today. I um, am. As I missed, uh, Day one, week three. But, you know, I'm just I'm perplexed. I thought that that was Randall Flagg, uh, you know, the uh, primary antagonist of Stephen King's The Stand and the Dark Tower series. So this is uh, this is all kind of beginning to check out for me. Uh, But, yeah, shout out to Randall and shout out to all the other journos. Yeah, we met um, uh, Rachel Sawicki from uh, Delaware Public Radio was at the event with their partner tonight. We were able to meet them. Uh, I I think Nurse Susan and Kirsten are meeting them now. I I I, I hustled back to the studio to record this, so there's still things happening. Uh, we don't know what's happening, but uh, it could be fun times. So let's get into uh, today. So after this uh, brief exchange. The jury was brought in, and Dawn Hall Young uh, retakes the stand. Um, She sort of explained why um, she was having so so much trouble with the special reports that were being requested. Um, There were... There were issues with sample size. There were issues with how the data was, 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 uh, was collected... And so there was like sort of mathematical and 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 technical issues with this special report, and we we sort of talked about it before. Um, uh, Miss Hall Young was supposed to uh, submit this draft report, uh, but uh, Christy uh, Christy Gross from my campaign group said it was poor work, wasn't done properly, and. Basically, uh, just said that there the the Kathy's office was not cooperating with the types of reports that they wanted to do, and Don Hall Young was put on a performance improvement plan, a PIP, in January of two thousand one. Uh, the evidence seemed extremely flimsy. Uh, they were talking about some like weekly report that tracked like who's working on what project. Um, there was some error on some other document. It was, it was sort of, as someone who has worked in 
you know, in corporate America or someone who's ever been in the process of somebody getting written up for, you know, poor performance or whatever. Um, this seemed extremely, extremely flimsy. Um, but what it did ignite was for Don Hall Young to contact a, a legal counsel, a, an employment counsel, because of what she called, quote, continued harassment. And so the legal counsel basically said, there's not a lot of options for you. Uh, and what she wound up doing was taking a a health leave because of the harassment and the stress and then finding another another job. Um, so she found another job in I in in uh, at Del Dot. Uh, but before she did that, actually, she was privy to a employment report at the end of the fiscal year of two thousand one that uh, that base that showed Elizabeth McGinnis Sailor still on the payroll of the auditor's office. Um, Late in in 2020, um, she had uh, some questions about this, uh, but again, she just felt like she was continually being harassed. She she questioned some of this, and and finally, she moves to Del Dot. I think she took medical leave in March of 2001, and she left in May of 2001. When she got to Del Dot, she asked it to check to see if her email was being monitored and guess what it was and so um this is when she sort of became a whistleblower of sorts uh she was in contact with the dag she was in contact with uh the investigating investigative team uh the one little wrinkle of this is in October of 2020 she contacted the Public Integrity Committee which she thought was the Department of Justice but it wasn't um, but there were many people trying to reach out and sort of report this kind of information um, she did get cross-examined uh, but the cross-examination uh, was consisted of basically Emails just saying like, well, Kathy wants to do this and Kathy's your boss. So can't she set the agenda? Like, um, you know, you know, you're, you're getting you're getting pinged for like these these reports that are wrong. But weren't these reports wrong sort of thing? And so. It's a little bit it's a, it, I, I don't know what the jury will make of this idea of impeaching this witness because of sort of these sort of weak, weak reasons. Um, but that's where we're at with this. Um, so there was, yeah, so no, Rob, go ahead, Bill. Yeah. So I'm not sure how relevant this is to the actual charges, but it sounds like there was the, the disagreement between Christy Gross of my campaign group and Ms. Ha Young was that probably I'm assuming Ms. Hall Young, who has like an accounting background, a master's in accounting, uh, you know, she's got some some acronyms after her name for sure. She wanted to maybe do the more traditional types of audits that the auditor's office is charged with, you know, constitutionally 
and in the the state code. Whereas Christy Gross maybe wanted to do sort of the more pet project audits that her and Kathy were were arranging. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, kind of. And and I will say that uh, Miss Hall Long had Miss Hall Young had some uh, some good reason to be suspicious because she's talking about like. We're looking at this data, and it's all handpicked by Kathy and Christy. And it's like there's only they had to throw out three of the five. It was all it was it was this, uh, and you guys may remember it was this sort of uh, pharmacy uh, pharmacy uh, review or examination. Those dreaded PBMs. Yes, PBMs. Exactly, exactly right. Um, and like they're claiming, oh, we could have saved the state forty-four million dollars. But really, I mean, five, three out of the five uh, sample pharmacies had to be thrown out for data reasons. And the two ones were left were more like specialty pharmacies and independent pharmacies, which really didn't mirror the type of data that they were looking for. So, I mean, for someone uh, like this auditor who has experience in looking at financial documents and doing data analysis, um, this was pretty, pretty weak stuff. And so she had, you know, you would think that somebody would say, like, this doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, you were saying we could do this, but the underlying data is not something that we would rely on. Um, They actually asked, hey, can you just, can you get information from other states? And uh, Don Hall Young is like, we don't really do that. Um, But, you know... Of course, the razzle dazzle on cross is like, don't you know that Christy Gross has worked for all of these other state, all these other state auditors, like that, like that makes some sort of difference. She has um, Martin O'Malley's cell phone number. Correct. I mean, <laughs> she can get a hold of Martin O'Malley within 15, 20 minutes. Rob, I just have one little quick uh, question as we wrap up uh, the dawn segment. Uh, there was kind of a neat little detail in uh, actual journalist Melissa Steele's article for the CG. That's what I call the Cape Gazette. And nice. it has something to do with with Dawn, like kind of crouching behind a computer monitor during cross-examination. Was there a weird dynamic there? Or is that just... I mean, it was a little... I mean, it was definitely something we noticed because she, she was very soft-spoken. Um, the monitor had moved. So, so uh, Mr. Wood was like, can you move the monitor? And then the bailiff had to come up and move it. And, you know, it's, it's, again, it's this idea that the defense just needs to see everything. Like if they're looking at it, they're, they're, they're in control of it. And so, yeah, there was a little bit of a a break there where we had to move um, all of the, uh, all of the equipment to make sure that Steve Wood could see uh, the, the, the witness, which again, I I don't know. I, I don't know if that was done for a particular reason or a sincere reason, but it was a little bit strange. Just as long as Team Kathy can see the defendant. That's very important. It's literally all I care about. Uh, the one the one quote that um, that she used on the witness stand many times was this idea that there was continued harassment. This quote, it was said two or three times. And so um, that kind of went uh, the way. So, you know, it was just another just another instance of the jury sort of hearing about what the office sort of culture and, and, and situation was like. Uh, and it sounds pretty awful. The next, and I think I've hit everything. Oh, uh, there's one other thing that came up on cross. 
during this time, Kathy is sending Don Hall Young emails about about the auditors who she's sort of like in the org chart. They report to her. So she's like, um, uh, uh, an auditor, uh, Don, uh, an auditor, Sarah D., who I think I got her name later, and I'm not sure if it's if it's uh, D Dig or or something else. But Sarah D. Uh, was saying things in the office like, "Oh my God, Quinn, are you now under Kathy?" And then when when uh, when Sailor and Virginia were in the office, she was doing eye rolls and sighs. Which, which is something that Kathy described as nonverbal aggressions towards them. And so there was this big back and forth about how Don Hall Young should have um, addressed this in some fashion because it was, an, it was a, a work environment that was, um, that was uncomfortable for people. Um, but again, really what happened was um, she was put on this performance improvement plan uh, she realized it was kind of bullshit. Um, even the stuff with this person, Quinn L, uh, was all hearsay. Um, so it was just, you know, it was just some sort of inner office sort of bullshit, um, that seems to be driven from the fact that this witness was not really down with these cockamimi sort of audits that everyone was doing. Interesting footnote here, Rob. Um, because this name Quinn sounded familiar. Quinn Ludwicki, yeah, he's definitely come up in some, I think it's mostly email correspondence that we've seen. And uh, looking at his uh, his LinkedIn at the moment, I definitely saw him in the halls of Dover of the courthouse last week. So I don't know, maybe he's not gonna be called by the state after all, but um, yeah. And again, maybe he would have just been sort of like a 15 minute, you know, just the state questioning him yeah i mean it just sounds like he reported like being uncomfortable or somebody overheard or tried to use him as a uh you know as somebody who's like hey these auditors are mean to us um but yeah it really kind of didn't go anywhere uh it's funny that you say these 15 minute uh witnesses the next witness was matt zolper it was a deputy auditor from april 2020 to february 2021 Really, he was up for about 15 minutes. Um, he he was instructed by Kathy to do Dawn's performance uh, improvement plan, uh, but you know he he was kind of out uh, out of the office uh, for uh, health reasons and then gone, and so there was no cross, and he was just uh, sort of a foundational witness regarding uh, Miss Hall Young's pip. The next witness, Laura Horsey, she is now uh, at the Department of Education for Capital Pro uh, Capital Projects. She's a CPA. Uh, she she is a, a Wagner administration veteran. Uh, she has uh, she has experience in reviewing contracts, RFP bidding process. She monitored the fraud hotline, etc. So she had a lot of. Uh, she did a lot of work in the auditor's office, and she had been there um, for 16, 17 years, something like that. She attended a Zoom meeting that 
was was requested by a bunch of CFOs from school boards regarding uh, this audit that Kathy wanted to do and 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 that Christy wanted to do uh, on school boards. So they have this Zoom call, and they want to get this this MOU signed, this memorandum of understanding, so that the auditor's office can start this process, this special review process. But uh, a, a Mr. Hale, who was the CFO of the Brandywine School District, there was also the CFO of the Cape and Lopen School District and the Delmar School District on this call. They have a lot of questions uh, about this work. Uh, they were very confused about uh, what the scope was. They didn't know how much it would cost. And so, you know, they wanted to have this meeting with the auditor's office. The auditor basically says, yeah, you know, we've never done this before, so we don't know what it'll cost you. Um, you know, didn't have a lot of answers for them. So uh, Mr. Hale from the Brandywine School District addresses Ms. Horsey directly and says, like, these are my concerns. I don't know how to proceed here. Um, school districts don't really do stuff like this, and I'm not sure how to, how to approach this. So uh, Ms. Horsey says, you know, completely understand. I know, you know, what the process is. And, you know, I, I understand your, what your concerns are. And, and I'd have those same concerns. Uh, but this is what we're doing, et cetera, et cetera. Well, because she did that on the call, um, Kathy has Amy Gooley uh, basically write her up and say that you're getting a, a, an official reprimand for speaking out of turn and not pulling the company line and making Kathy look stupid. And this actually sets, uh, sets her off. And so Miss Horsey goes through a grievance process because of this. And then the cross-examination has a lot to do with the, the multiple steps of sort of this grievance process. The most important piece of it being this. Originally in July, when the grievance response comes from Elena Sewell, she basically says, you know, uh, you got written up by Gully. Uh, if this was any other thing, you know, it would have been worse. You know, we just think you, this was inappropriate and insubordination. You, you know, and, and, and Horsey was, was kind of pissed off about this. So she takes the steps to figure out why this is happening, file a grievance, etc. Well, over the course of months, it goes through this HR process, and it becomes pretty clear that I think that the Kathy contingent realizes there's something going on. Now, this is July, August of 2001. So now we're into the time where Kathy knows she's under pressure. So it gets stepped up and stepped up where they're like, we could have fired you, we should have fired you, etc. Finally, Horsey leaves uh, the department and goes, um, goes elsewhere. Uh, she's now at the Department of Education and Capital Product, pro, uh, Projects. Um, but it, it, it seemed pretty clear that over the course of this, and one of the reasons I think they introduced this evidence is over the course of this grievance process, after getting called out for basically answering a CFO's question, um, they knew they were under investigation, 
and sort of ramped up the pressure on Horsey. And, and so on one hand, you have Steve Wood coming in and, and doing razzle-dazzle and basically saying, well, you know, uh, you, did, you did speak out of turn and the, the reprimand wasn't as bad as you say it was and you didn't need to file a grievance and all of this stuff, but it doesn't change the facts at hand, which are, you know, somebody who kind of knows what they're doing is sort of talking, and Kathy doesn't doesn't like that. So, so, so this is all witness intimidation related. I think so. Yes, it it is. Um, I mean, it it does go to the idea that Kathy is sort of within this agreement with. Christy Gross, they're trying to do something sort of away from the, the the meaning of the office. But yeah, this 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 woman is being intimidated, is being sent like reprimands that she doesn't agree with. Uh, they're they're fighting it every step of the way through HR and ramping up their rhetoric. You know, originally it was you know we need to uh, do a reprimand because you were insubordinate. Uh, to all the way to after the third step of the HR process that they should have fired her or they should have dismissed her. So, yeah, I mean, it, it basically went to the intimidation charge. Yeah. And I also just wanted to stress, I mean, no wonder there was confusion among the school districts and the auditor's office, because as far as I can tell, this is this is the first time that school district criminal background checks have been audited. So this is what Kathy's office did to, to ring in the new year, whatever it's 1920 school districts. Um, yeah, rather than just doing an audit of the financial state of each school district, they dug into the very specific realm of criminal background checks for uh, teachers, staff, etc. cetera. Uh, so no wonder there was some confusion coming from, you know, superintendents and whatnot. Um, and, and no wonder Ms. Horsey was kind of like, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I have no idea why we're doing this. Yeah, it, it was, uh, it was again, um, it's pretty clear that Elena Sewell and Amy Gully are, are team Kathy all the way. Uh, and they're sort of part of the group that is helping her entrench herself into this, whatever she's trying to do. Um, but it does, it does not look, look great. And um, and and Laura Horsey, I think, was a was a pretty good witness. Um, you know, I, this is not to disparage Miss uh, Miss Hall Young, but uh, you know, she was a little bit soft spoken. Her personality was such that you know she's an accountant. She didn't really want to be there. Um, but uh, Miss Horsey was like, no, this is bullshit. I've I've had seventeen, eighteen years in this department. Somebody asked me a question. And I'm not fucking standing for it. And so came off as a as a, a a more confident, I think, witness for the state, but basically proving the same sort of you know, basically giving evidence uh to the same sort of like monstrous, uh intimidating behavior. When it comes to sitting up there on the stand, you know, they all can't be the godmother. They all can't be uh Liz. What was it? Uh, Liz? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Liz, Greek last name. So the last 
uh, witnesses. Vasilikos. Vasilikos. Elizabeth Vasilikos. Yes, please consider, please consider volunteering for WFP someday. All right. Thank you. Proceed. I think she's I think she's a MAGA chud, though, actually. That would not surprise me. Did you know that? Yeah, I, I've seen once once her name came up uh, in court uh, in the court record, uh, people have been sending me sort of uh, different different posts and different things that would indicate that she's like a she's a Trump MAGA kind of MAGA head, which, again, that's not surprising. I mean, she's a Rehoboth realtor. So, you know, she's been sense. on she's been on a boat or two before. Yeah. Oh, no, there's there's no question about that. So last witness. We've been waiting and waiting. He won the MVP in both leagues It's in the Baseball Hall of Fame, Frank Robinson. Uh, he comes up and basically just gives a rundown of his interactions with or, or, or dates and times of, of Kelsey Thomas, of Don Hall Young. He did say, which is very interesting, in November when he spoke to Tom Van Horn, uh, he was he was very guarded because he thought at the at first that Tom Van Horn was fishing for information, like because he had already talked to Don Hall Young about challenging the, the fact that Skyler was uh, Skyler. I did it again. Sale, fucking sale. God damn it. So in, in October of 2020, Dawn Hall Young brought up this idea that why is Sailor on the payroll still? She's at college. Uh, in May, um, he spoke to Kelsey Thomas about the things that she had issue with. So he's talking to all these people. Then finally in November, Tom Van Horn speaks to him, and he's like, I think he's fishing for info for Kathy. Now, he wasn't, but it was, it's funny that he thought that, that he was, which is it's pretty funny. Yeah, that's Wild. So I guess I had not been paying super close attention on the timeline yet. But so, yeah, for some reason, I assumed Thomas was the first point of contact when he was out there pacing around the green, uh, going to the Biggs Museum, uh, going to Angelo's Pizza and the Army Navy store. Uh, So that's interesting. And he thought he was fishing for info because let's not forget, Thomas left out at least two crucial, crucial details. Right. One was that he was involved with the PayPal payment to my campaign group, AKA Christy Gross. And what was the other one, Rob? Oh, I guess just disclosing the relationship. Yeah, he was, he was very, very, yeah. I don't think he disclosed the relationship at first. And then when he did, it was like sort of fishy. So yeah, yeah. Now, this is a funny, um, let me make sure I, I, I do this in, in chronological order because it gets a little, it gets a little fishy here. So in December, of 2020. Kathy, now, so so now we have uh, Kelsey Thomas speaking to uh, the investigators and the DAG, Dawn Hall Young speaking to uh, some other sort of public trust committee and the investigator, Tom Van Horn speaking to the investigator. In December of 2020, there's a request from Kathy to the DTI for e-records that basically says, has anyone requested e-records from DTI, from the Office of Auditor of Accounts? And then in parentheses, it says, besides me. Now, what Frank Robinson said was, yeah, of course, now he is part of a criminal investigation, so he's doing it. 
So she kind of like maybe figured out that this was happening and asked DTI to tell her if anybody else was. So now there's a whole email chain behind her back that basically says, well, what the DOJ is doing is, quote, confidential. And so she can't get it anyway. The DTI will not, they will not tell her that other people are now basically investigating and subpoena, subpoenaing her, her, her stuff. Uh, and so now uh, it's starting to open up. Damn that confidentiality pledge. Got it. So um, there's a grand jury um, that, that is open in 2021. In June 2021, there's the call between Virginia Bateman and Frank Robinson. As we know from previous testimony, Virginia Bateman immediately uh, contacted Sailor McGinnis and Kathy McGinnis. And that same day, uh, the day that Virginia Bateman and Frank Robinson spoke, Frank Robinson got a call from a block number within an, an hour or two of this call and then got a voicemail on his desk phone. His, the block number was his, to his cell phone. Got a voicemail to his desk phone from Amy Gully in the auditor's office. Same day. They do a... Uh, they do, you know, what cops do on your cell phone records and find out that the block call is from Kathy McGinnis's cell phone. So, um, you know, this is June 21. Um, they're, they're, I think it's clear. To, I think it's what, what they're trying to demonstrate is that Kathy knew this was happening. She's trying to put some sort of lid on it. She's trying to do Nixonian plumber shit um, to sort of do something about it. Uh, but it's happening. Uh, in June, June 21 of 21, uh, she requests all the e-records for Don Hall Young and network folders. In August of 20, August 21 of 21, she requests all the emails and encrypted what they call private messages or egress messages from Laura Horsey. And so now, the end of the summer in 21 she's in full full nixon mode she's trying to get everything she possibly can she's trying to get thomas van horn's private snapchat correct because there could be who, who knows what could be there uh one of the interesting things uh is that when when robinson was investigating uh and i think this was in august of 21 uh well no in august of 21 they they change uh they change it but Elizabeth McGinnis is listed in the uh, in the outlook in the state outlook as the uh, the public information officer of the state auditor's office in outlook. So, again, it's like it's the same thing as like the hours and all of this stuff. Like it doesn't necessarily mean anything, but people were putting it in the system as something that it wasn't. So eight eighteen twenty one, there was a. Um, a request to change that from PIO to intern again, because we don't want it to look the way it looks. Um, so, so yeah, that's, that's where we are with the direct of Frank Robinson. Now, the cross, what we found out today, which, uh, Rachel Sawicki uh, uh, 
of Delaware Public Media sort of already knew. There was a hearing in front of uh, Judge Carpenter already about the about the stipulations that were made on the search warrant and the subsequent indictment uh, and about, you know, basically basically writing the search warrant and the indictment in a way that makes it sound like there are multiple payments or structuring when actually it's through this very confusing convoluted ex- argument, there, there really wasn't. There was another explanation for why the last few payments were paid in the manner that they were paid and why while they looked like multiple payments, some of them were one single payment to Christy Gross. The problem here was that Frank Robinson had already spoken to Jane Cole, the, the, the person who runs, the woman who runs accounting, who basically said it wasn't what you thought it was, but they were still confused about what it was and put it on the search warrant and the original indictment as something that he kind of should have known if he paid attention to what Jane Cole said, that it, it, it wasn't as bad as what they're trying to stipulate. And finally, Steve Wood just came out and said, basically, you had a theory of this case in regards to structuring that when you saw this, even though what Jane Cole had told you and other things that you had been told, you probably should have known that this wasn't right. So it's, it's really a question of whether there was any intent. And I, and I think, you know, I will say, um, Frank Robinson testified. He, he said it was it was just it was an inaccurate statement and it was a mistake. The fact that, you know, he got more information that would have explained it from Jane Cole before he made that statement. Uh, it seems like it's already been adjudicated in some other hearing, uh, maybe an evidentiary hearing, or maybe there was some challenge to the indictment. Um, so, you know, it, it doesn't look that great. Uh, for Frank Robinson, and it doesn't look that great for the structuring charge, but quite frankly, the structuring charge looks very, very weak anyway, and so I, I don't necessarily know where that's where that's going. Um, I will say one more thing. During cross-examination, uh, Steve Wood knocked the Elmo machine off of its desk, and we, and we had a scare there that all of the IT was not going to work anymore. Uh, but the bailiff did come through and get everything rebooted. Everything was fine. Uh, but, but Steve, we did see you almost break that machine. So I'm just, just letting you know. Marty's heart skipped a beat right there, I bet. She was like, oh, I, had it, I had it on the computer the whole time. Why are you doing this? Um, I did talk to Marty, uh, who is the, the, the person, the IT person, uh, who throws all of these exhibits up for the defense. And I said, you know, I just want to let you know, we think you're, a real, you're an unsung hero in this. And he said, you know what? It's all about preparation and communication. That's what he said. And, and uh, we love that guy. You know, we, he's, he's awesome. Yeah, I mean, if the, if the uh, DOJ had only done some uh, preparation and communication about this structuring charge, I think we'd, we'd be uh, <laughs> a bit more confident even talking about it, Rob. I mean, you know, if I were Frank, I think I would acknowledge something fishy is going on here with these payments. And, you know, it isn't just that the office is understaffed or that 
you know, uh, COVID has, has limited our ability to, you know, for at least one person in the office to know how QuickBooks works. Um, but to the, just to the, I mean, you know, the inability to explain the structuring coherently, I think is, is going to be, uh, really tricky for, for Mr. Denny come closing arguments. Yeah. I, I, I mean, so here, here's where we are and then maybe we'll sort of talk about, um, how this might close out. So uh, there's going to be a, a little bit more cross-examination of uh, Mr. Robinson tomorrow morning. Uh, my understanding is Mr. Denny, the AG, has one more witness to call, but it's, it's, uh, it's a foundational witness that should take 20 minutes. So by lunchtime tomorrow, the defense will rest. Or excuse me, the prosecution will rest. The state will rest. What comes after that is an an application uh, to uh, to basically set aside or acquit on all charges. So there'll be a motion to acquit on every charge, which basically means that the defense is saying you didn't prove charge one, you didn't prove charge two, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, I I, I, I expect my guess. My, it's a guess. My guess would be that Judge Carpenter says it can go to the jury the way that it is, and they can make a determination whether any of this meets the criteria. Um, but it's potentially, I suppose, he could acquit on the structuring based on what I've heard, because it's incredibly weak. Um it's more Keystone cops not being able to keep people in line, not being able to keep people in the office that have the authority to do this, et cetera, et cetera. Um, because even even Frank Robinson had to admit on cross that the accounting department basically told him these payments were approved by us. The only thing they didn't know about really was that last P card payment, which they found out about. But again, it's 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 negligible. So, you know, I, I don't know. I, I expect my expectation would be at this point to, that the judge would just let all five charges go and and have the defense put on their case and it go to the jury. But you know, one never knows. So that that will happen tomorrow once the prosecution rests, and um, you know, whatever happens there will really dictate what Steve Wood will what kind of defense he will put on. Uh, but that's where we're look. That's what we're looking at this week. That's where we're at. Did Steve mention how many witnesses he had in the queue potentially? Um, he he said a day or two. He didn't give me a number um, because he's he's you know that's what he does. He's being a little close to the vest. Um, I don't know. I I, I my 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 thought is that if he, I don't know what he's going to do because it really depends on whether like. For example, if the structuring charge is thrown out and he only has to put on a defense regarding, say, the intimidation and the benefit to, 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 to Sailor and, and her mom and, and to uh, Virginia Bateman, you know, that could look a lot different than whether the, you know, the judge lets the structuring charge ride and he has to spend time refuting that on defense again. So, I, you know, I, I'm not sure how all of that's going to wash out. Okay, here's how it's going to wash out. 
it's it's like the eleventh hour surprise defense witness. Kathy Davies and Kathy McGinnis have buried the proverbial hatchet from 2018, and Kathy Davies takes a stand to impeach the credibility and honesty of every single whistleblower. Bye bye, bye bye, Andrina. <laughs> bye bye. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I will tell you this. Uh, so to, to 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 give you a couple more little details uh, of the case, you can you can riff on that you missed today. Um, there was a moment uh, where a a a photo, a beach photo, was was presented to to Miss Horsey, where she had to uh, confirm that that was the beach photo. They did not put it up on the screen. Uh, I quickly showed it to my journalism colleagues and said, Bill Martin has already discovered this photo. This is it. This is what it looks like. And so we had a good laugh about that. They did, they did not put it up, though. And again, it was just it goes to this idea. There was a lot of mundane stuff we already covered, like when did the social media uh, uh, when was the social media policy written? Uh, when was it sent out? Uh, what did what did Jane Cole and accounting tell Frank Robinson? What should he have known? Um, things that we've already sort of gone over and we, we know where Steve Wood's coming from on this, but he's just sort of nailing those points home. Um, and, and yeah, I, I actually I'm more confused today than I was before because uh, it was there was there was no big earth shatter earth shattering uh, sort of revelations today. We're sort of in the same spot we were, um, I think. And so it really is going to come down to what Steve Wood needs to put his case up against and what that is, you know, and, and how that how that's going to go. So that's where we are, folks. Um, yeah. So what do you what are you thinking, Bill? What, what, what going into tomorrow? What's your thought? Um yeah, oh, this was great to catch up on the day. Um, I'm looking forward to being there down in Dover with you, Rob, bright and early tomorrow. Um, yeah, thanks for catching me up. Yeah, no problem. Um, folks, I can give you a little update uh, on us trying to get these exhibits uh, to share them with you. We're real journalists. People know that. And they they want to they they want to uh, accommodate us as best they can, and so we're going to try to um, we're going to try to get everything we can to share with you. It's in the works. We'll say. Uh, I talked to defense counsel today, and you know he's very interested in 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 coming in and talking to me, talking to Bill. Um, it really depends on how this thing shakes out, but. Uh, but dear listeners, all I can tell you is that keep listening to us. Go to Patreon, do the thing. We talked about that. That will help us do all of this stuff. But we're we're going to keep pushing. We're going to keep uh, we're going to keep prodding, poking. All of that, um, just to see if we can pull something out of here, and and uh, and kind of bring it all together. You know, I know it's very convoluted. I know it's very confusing. We're confused. We don't know. Um, but this whole thing is going to come to a head very shortly. Um, a lot of people were asking me tonight whether it's going to go to the jury before the weekend. I don't know. Uh, it's possible. It's possible the jury gets this on Thursday or Friday. 
Um, I would expect if they do, they're going to come to a, a, a result very quickly because they do not want to. <laughs> they do not want to be, uh, you know, still they're not sequestered, but they don't want to be sort of tied to this over the holiday. I wouldn't think. Um, so you know, this could all kind of play out rather quickly because, um, as we said last week, once once the defense starts its case, it could be you know half a day two days and right into closing. Um, so don't know, you know, how that's going to, you know, how that's going to play out. But I just want to say one more thing that, um, you know, if you're ever confused and you ever want to be recognized in court, um, don't raise your hand like Randall Chase and look like a dummy. I'm sorry, Randall, we love you, but I mean, you can't raise your hand. That's just looks, that's not on. It's not I find, on. I find that so endearing, frankly. He's like, he is, you know, he's like kind of the court curmudgeon. Uh, but him doing, so him doing something polite like that just seems out of character. But like I said, I thought that he was literally the man in black until about 45 minutes ago. So <laughs> everyone, um, we'll be back at it tomorrow. Uh, hopefully, uh, if all goes to plan, We'll be able to uh, to give you information about how the defense has has begun its case. So we'll have Robinson. We'll have uh, another witness, and the state will close. We'll have some motions and a defense case. So a lot's going to go down tomorrow, and we hope you will tune in again to hear us. Left is best.